Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, where we let light shine out of darkness. With your host, Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome back to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm here with Jeff Ford, licensed marriage and family therapist and an author and expert on the process of formal disclosure. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, we covered a lot of ground on how to structure a disclosure, what's involved in it, and really why disclosure is even necessary. Welcome back, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. So yeah. why, let's dive right in. Let's, I, I would like to talk about the difference between just a confession to a bishop and a marriage. I mean, we've had bishops say to people, you know, you can just tell me you don't have to tell your wife. Why, why is that harmful? Well, I like to I like to describe that in this way. So, first of all, we have to again appreciate the effect of secrets on a on a person and on a marriage. So, a secret will affect a person in a marriage physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually, and relationally. Um, when a person goes to a bishop and confesses, they're doing it because of you know a spiritual obligation to live a higher law. And that, that takes care of a, a moral obligation to, of, that's dealing with worthiness to, for instance, partake of the sacrament or hold the temple recommend. And so that, that, if you go back to those five areas of how a secret affects a person, spiritual is one of them. That's between them and God. Right. It's really about yeah, them and the church, them and God, it's, all that. It's about that mm -hmm. relationship and yeah. uh, the functionality of that relationship, uh -huh. whether they can participate in certain religious rites yeah. and, and ordinances. Like, and their soul is at risk. Correct. So that's, yeah. So just like that relationship with a bishop and with God has certain functions and and you need to have certain levels of worthiness to participate in that so too does a marriage. Yeah. And um, if a person only goes to a bishop and, and you know, confesses their, their secrets to the bishop, they've taken care of the spiritual, but the physical, emotional, sexual, and relational areas are untouched. And so that's where disclosure comes into play. Um, there's different responsibilities that that person has to a spouse than they do have to a bishop. And like you mentioned already a moment ago, um, the, the level of betrayal a bishop feels when they hear an individual's confession is going to be moderate to minimal. That's very different from a wife. When a wife hears that, for instance, her spouse has been unfaithful sexually, the level of betrayal is immense. And there's no way a bishop can... Uh, or another therapist or something like that can comprehend that level of betrayal. Um, and there's also no way that working with just a bishop about like a sexual betrayal is going to heal the wife's betrayal. Right. Because you can't, again, going back to our first podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago, you can't heal something that you can't see. It has to be in the light. The, the Savior's light has to be able to touch something. Right, and I think it's also really unfair for a church leader or a therapist or any or friend or a family member, any well-meaning person, to decide what she gets to know about her own marriage. Exactly, and uh, I've worked with many women who their trust has been damaged in church leaders who they find out that 
you know, this church leader told their spouse that they didn't need to tell her. Um, and and that's, that, that's immensely damaging on couples. So let me kind of go into that for just a sure. minute. So when a person is holding a secret, they believe that they're bad. And um, when their spouse says, oh, honey, I love you, in their mind, they're thinking, oh, no, you don't, because... The person with the secret's feeling correct. that. Yeah, this per- the person with the secret's thinking in their mind, like, no, you don't. You don't love me, because if you knew this and this and this, then you wouldn't say that. And so they are malnourished. These individuals that keep secrets for years and decades are malnourished with, like, immense love. Or, Nothing's getting in. Exactly. Yeah. They have literally covered themselves... Mm-hmm. in a pavilion, you know, it's just nothing is getting, and it's also very painful for a spouse to be giving love and to not have it received. Yeah. And so um, when a bishop says, okay, well, you don't need to tell your spouse this, you're also, that bishop is also saying, well, uh, you don't, you also don't need to feel all of your spouse's love either. Um, and so it gets to be very complicated. So it's harmful to both people. It's very harmful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's especially harmful to the marriage. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's a very amazing experience to see these men who do a formal disclosure, and for the first time in their life, they are completely transparent and vulnerable. And they, the way they talk about feeling love for the first time is amazing. It can finally get in. It can finally get in. And uh, they need to experience that. I, I believe they need to experience it not only uh, with a bishop, but their spouse to fully heal, to be accountable for their actions. So even though there's going to be trauma when they disclose the secrets and they they upend their wife's reality, they still are going to have the experience of cracking open a space now to allow love in, maybe not from their wife in that exact moment because she's going to be dealing with the effects of that trauma, but it prepares the way for him to be able to receive love from God, from other people. Yes. And eventually a spouse, if they work things out, if that's where it goes, but regardless, he's opened back up now. Yeah. He's experiencing love for the first time. Yeah. And and the, uh, the other thing I want to mention about that, Jeff, is um, they also experience God's love and the Savior's love right. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the disclosure process that I go through is not only how often or how much this person has kept secrets from their spouse, but how much have they kept secrets from their church leader? And after a disclosure I do with a, with a couple, I call it closing the gap. Um, after they've disclosed to their spouse, then they go and share that same disclosure with their church leader. And hopefully, if I've had my way, I've been working with that church leader for that entire two to four months, preparing them and and working with them in this process. And um, it's an amazing experience that both the husband and the wife can kind of go through together. And um, they both come away feeling so supported by their church leader by the Savior, and um, preparing, like they may not be able to support each other at that at that time. Um, some couples do, and it's wonderful, but some couples are not in a place where they can provide that support for each other because they've just been, you know, their whole life has just been turned upside down, and they're not in a place to do that. But there are rare examples of couples that, you know, have been able to do that. Right, absolutely. 
So this brings up the question in my mind then of really who needs to hear this disclosure? I mean, you've got, like you said, the, there are people that if somebody, if a, if a guy is married and has betrayed his marriage and, and engaged in behaviors that his wife should know about, infidelity, looking at pornography, those kinds of things, then clearly she needs to know about this stuff. And then if he has an obligation to God through the church, he's a priesthood holder, he's been through the temple, has a calling, um, he owes that to the church to, to rectify his standing with God in the church. Who else needs to know? Well, it depends on who else has been affected. So the way the way I like to kind of answer that question is follow the lines of accountability. Who's he accountable to? Okay. Obviously, he may be accountable to his children. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that kids need to know. If they've been exposed to the addiction and they have an idea of what's happening, then obviously there there needs to be some understanding there. And there's some there's certain rules that I have about how to tell your kids, what mm-hmm. to tell your kids, how to know if you should tell your kids. We can talk about that another day. If you, you should want. really involve a therapist in that part, is what you're saying, because right. that's you're dealing with such a vulnerable population, right? The kids are, are clearly um, needed to be protected in this. But you're, you're talking about if a child um, has, been exposed. has either seen dad acting out or... Heard them fighting. Yeah, or heard something exactly. They or, ask questions, why are they gone every Thursday night or... I've had some kids that, you know, have seen dad with his girlfriend or, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, the kids have seen things that they shouldn't see. And it's not helpful for parents just to gloss over that and leave the child with confusion and even maybe self-blame. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, so really it's just the people that that are directly – that they need to be accountable to that have been involved at a minimum. Those people yeah. need to have some type of a disclosure. Uh, definitely the bishop and the wife need the full disclosure. And then um, anybody else, it if just depends. If they're working with a therapeutic group, uh-huh. then – um, like or, if they're in group therapy, correct? Yeah. Then you know, not everything needs to be disclosed, um, but a lot of it does. Okay. Um, but generally, it's it's basic. It's basically the wife that needs to to hear the full disclosure. Okay. Um, I get worried about couples that are, um, you know, wanting to tell everybody. Right. When later on, if they've done their work. And they they want to you know share their story to be inspiring and helpful to others. That's that's a different story. But, but if that's not in, a disclosure. That that's not a disclosure. That's right. like giving back. That's like step twelve, right? Yeah, it's like support. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get worried about couples who want to start telling everybody because you have to realize when you tell this story to other family members, it's going to affect them. And if you if you basically tell them once and you never go back and tell them anything else they're kind of stuck with this kind of image of, you know, all these secrets being kind of like laid out on the table and they don't get the, they don't get any other information to know what happened. And, and even though you've moved on, they haven't. And, and so, and it may affect them. Yeah. They make, it may affect the relationships and yeah, I can see that. Um, and so what I, people have to disclose responsibly and take care of the relationships that they have. Some women have said to me, my husband doesn't want to, open up about this with the bishop. He's not willing to, to open up and he's scared or whatever, doesn't think he has a problem, but I need help from my bishop. And so in some ways she might trigger 
that disclosure, if you will, by getting support for herself from the bishop. Right. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, if there's any women that are listening to this podcast right now and they find themselves in that position where they think they're helping their husband by not telling his secrets, I want to say this. Please stop trusting the darkness. The darkness doesn't help you. It's not helping your husband. You need help. Like if your husband chooses to, um, to, to reject the help of a bishop or a therapist, that's his choice, ladies. But that doesn't mean you have to. My invitation to you is to trust the light. You are being affected by darkness in a deep way. Get help for and yourself. you need help. Yeah. And my invitation is reach out. Go talk to your bishop. Go talk to a therapist. And the other thing, um, to kind of back up just a little bit about who else needs to know, I I love telling women because they have confidants, best friends that they trust, and um, they're the best people that can support them. And I, I, I like to make that decision as a couple to say, okay, you know, who are some resources that we can tap into? And, and oftentimes women will say, well, I want to tell my best friend or my sister who I'm really tight with. And they have a consistent relationship where they deal with these types of things. And by all means, please continue to get support and love and help from these people. Yeah. And and if they, and if they have a, a husband who's not working with them in this process is not willing to come out in the light or be honest about things or work recovery, as we say, then she still needs to make that decision and get support for herself. Um, it's obviously nice if, if, um, they can work together and, and both be on the same page about that, but ultimately her mental and spiritual and emotional health matters and she needs to get help for herself. A lot of women are confused. They, they feel the need of help. They mm-hmm. need, they they know it, they feel it, but they also feel the need to be loyal and respect their husband. And the way I like to say, you know, go to the light is there's no need to be loyal to the darkness. Um you're not helping him by not tuning in to resources of help. Right, and your husband isn't the darkness. He's just it's the darkness that he's holding inside. He's just bought into it. And he's holding that darkness inside mm-hmm. of himself and the marriage, and it's it's having an effect day by day, year by year. And so, again, my invitation is is stop trusting the darkness and start trusting the light. And you do that by reaching out for help. Now, there's this idea of letting go of the past. A lot of the times, we have you know, women that will come in and they'll have a parent or a loved one or, again, even a church leader or therapist say to them things like, just let it go. Don't don't make him talk about the past. Why would you want to dig that up? Why, how is that going to be helpful? Let's just focus on the future and let's just move forward. And whatever happened, happened. Why is that bad advice when well, it comes to, to healing a marriage impacted by betrayal like this? Well, you can't let something go that you've never actually taken hold of. If these women have been kept in the dark for years of their marriage, and then all of a sudden maybe it it comes to light, and then they're told to just let it go, they need to have the time and the space to take hold of all the feelings and emotions and the effects 
that those secrets have had, to process those things and decide what it means to them, to decide what it means for their marriage or their future. And that takes time mm-hmm. for them to, you know, to search, ponder, and pray about. And again, like you literally cannot let go of something you've never taken hold of. And it's just like taking hold of a, an object that we see in our in our physical world. We don't know what it is and we pick it up and we examine it and look at it and maybe ask someone else about it before we put it down. And we, we do that all the time as humans and just learning about the world around us. And when women are totally exposed to this secret part of their world, their husband's world, their world that they never knew about. They need to take hold of it and examine it and understand it and process what it means to them. And when they do that, when they are given the time and the space and the permission to go through and and take hold of those emotions and feelings and learn from them and take them to God and take them to the Savior to ask for healing and comfort, then they can let go of it. Um, and, and And that's a process because they may do that all in one day and let it go for one day, and then something might trigger them the next day to remember right. all of the pain and all the the secrecy and betrayal. And what I counsel them to do is to t- take hold of those feelings, process them, talk them, talk about them with God, talk about them with your spouse or a, a trusted friend or group member. And that's, that's what letting go is. So, um, so this isn't, this is not an even, event. Right, exactly. And it's, it's a not, process. and it's not even just about saying like, Oh, okay. I know that my husband looked at pornography, let it go. You're saying she needs to understand the scope of this issue, the full story, the pattern to understand exactly what she's dealing with so that she can then feel what she feels, understand what it means to her, um, and then eventually be able to decide what she wants to do with that. She needs to have the right to ask good questions and to look at this and understand the story. So this isn't just about and, – and so that counsel of let it go, you're saying like, yeah, that is good advice. Let it go. It's not an event though. But it's not an event. It's a process that takes time and we have to honor that and make time and space and give people permission to go through and do as, as much work as they need to do to be able to then finally set it down. Yep. And, right? and some things that family members and bishops can do to be helpful is um, one, of the, one of the first responses that family members have – when they hear about, you know, their sister's husband who has this addiction or who's cheated on them is Mm -hmm. they often will say, well, just divorce him, just get rid of him. And that's the most unhelpful thing because, uh, what, if they want to be helpful, what they can do is say, tell me what's happening. Tell me what you're feeling. And, and to not offer all these... Stay with them in the process. Yeah, to stay with them and to stay and, and right. let them know that whatever they're feeling, that they are going to feel with them and mm. not judge them. Right. And, you know, one of the biggest mistakes family members make is they start offering up this advice on, well, you need to do this, you, you need to do that. And um, because this is such a process of healing and forgiveness and letting go, uh, those, those type of statements like just divorce him or whatever are just so unhelpful and damaging. Yeah, absolutely. So how does somebody who needs to do a disclosure decide how much detail to share? Well, um, again, going back to, 
the lines of accountability depends on who they're talking to. If they're talking to a therapist and deciding about how much to share, well, there really isn't a filter there. That's part of the, the usefulness of visiting with a therapist where they can say everything and the therapist can work with that person to understand boundaries. A person that's been keeping secrets has a terrible idea of what boundaries are and they need to be taught. And so um, sometimes bishops can p- be that way, but oftentimes bishops just kind of, they're, they receive that information. They don't typically offer feedback about boundaries and stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to a wife, hopefully an individual who's struggling with this addiction that has years or decades of secrets has sat down with a therapist and went through the critical information of you know, what their secret behaviors have been, what they are, what they're not, how that's affected them, how that's affected their marriage. And then simultaneously, that wife is, is working with a therapist, preparing for that disclosure and asking questions and being able to um, ask all the questions that she's been too afraid to ask and go into that, that level of information, that level of depth. And so what I always tell couples is I'll turn the wife to the wife and I'll say, look, like, uh, I want you to know that your husband's obviously accountable to you and I'm trying to mirror that. And your, any questions that you ask your husband, um, I may give you my professional advice about if that's healthy, healing information to ask about, or if it's unhealthy, harmful information, because it's going to trigger your trauma more. Um, I'll give you my professional advice about that, but you like your husband is accountable to you and you ultimately, you have to make the choice uh, as a wife. And I I don't think it's uh, appropriate for a therapist to kind of supersede, you know, uh, um, her right to know. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll I'll tell the wife, like, look, I, I feel like that's, harmful information, but it's not, I can just give you my advice. You have to make the choice. And there's been times when I've been wrong, where the the wife wanted to know something that uh, professionally I said, you know, that's not really, but healing, it helped her, but it actually helped her. Um, and so, and some women that I've worked with, they, they sort of self-regulate, like they'll hear something and be like, oh, okay, that's right. good feedback for me. I don't, I'm, exactly. I, I'll never ask that question again. Exactly. And so they, they know. Yeah. And yeah. It, so I guess part of my answer to your question, Jeff, mm-hmm. about about what level, a lot of that's uh, a process. It's a negotiation that they need to talk about and be informed about to understand. Like, um, because when, whenever we're answering questions, we have to acknowledge that those que- those answers to those questions um, could lead to more trauma. Yeah. Um, if there's if uh-huh. we're creating unnecessary triggers that's going to make healing for that woman more difficult. We have to slow that down and make sure that we're being careful about that process moving forward. Yeah, and so I think I think a basic outline that you know that we use a lot in our our practice here are, are you know definitely you know the major behaviors like what what behaviors like what happened, where did it happen, you know how often, um, and who if there was anybody involved, you know. Those are some very basic things. Um, as far as the details and the the play by play, 
and some of those things, that's where you really want to get some professional help and slow that down and decide if that really is going to help you to know that or not. Because there are some play-by-play things that 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 women need to know. For instance, uh, you know, a a question that I get all all the time is, you know, if this woman's learned that her husband has been fantasizing and objectifying women, she'll be like, well, who? Right. Or if he's been having, you know, uh, sexting relationships with anonymous people, she'll say, well, what are their names? And mm-hmm. I'll say, I'll, I'll kind of slow that down and say, are, um, are any of the people that the husband asked, acted out with people that she knows? Because if he just gives all the names, those names can actually be a trigger unnecessarily. Um, if they don't have any pertinence to that woman's life, if there are nobody that she knows, then if, if she hears the word Angela, that maybe that's one of the guys or the women that her husband acted out with, anytime she hears Angela in the future, she's going to have trauma. Yeah. And so um, I'm trying to slow it down and, you know, talk about relevance to your process of healing. Right. So the commitment is the truth needs to come out, but there are certain details that can actually re-traumatize and provide ongoing trauma. trauma. Uh Uh-huh. That can go on and on, and that's not helpful to the wife. And so it's and it's not necessary for her to heal to know that stuff. And that's Correct. something that will take some some discretion, some guidance, and some you know some some real inspiration on on what's going to be the most helpful. But at the basic level, he his commitment is to tell the truth. And there's there's plenty that he can share that would open up um, healing for for both of them. Right. And I would say that ninety five percent of the secrecy can be shared. It's only like a five to seven percent. Those are like little fine point little details, fine that details that need some, yeah, that, that just need a little bit more attention in, uh, deciding if that needs to be. Yeah. Cause disclosed. we, yeah, it doesn't, sh- it doesn't change the substance of the disclosure. Right. Um, it does, it does like have the potential and the propensity to augment trauma for, for a wife. Yeah. Cause we've had some women who have, you know, discovered something or he's come to her with something and then she, they stay up all night in a interrogation type style setting where she's just drilling him on questions and getting and her trauma's in charge. Oh yeah. Her trauma's driving the whole thing. She's just trying to feel safe. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible situation for her and you know, she's, she's just dysregulated and trying to get information and she might be asking questions about details and going, even go, we had women go to websites and start comparing themselves to these women or, or trying to just get details on right. sexual positions or other kinds of things that will haunt them for years to come as they try and rebuild their marriage and their intimate life and other kinds of things. And so some details are not helpful in that process of disclosure. And so please understand us. We are absolutely not saying that he should continue to keep secrets. What we're saying is that some details don't aid in the process of healing her. Uh, the her as an individual or the relationship, and, and we're also saying that the final person who makes that choice is her, is the wife. Because, she gets to decide, right? It's not he has already done so much yep. damage. He doesn't get to decide what Correct. he will or won't share. That's inappropriate for him right. to be in that place, like uh, where he he's already been withholding stuff. His 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 choice to kind of decide about that information is. 
Yeah, it's expired. It's expired <laughs> for now. Though. Yep. And and the role of a therapist or a church leader or others would really just be to slow that down and help her examine what she needs to know. Exactly. So, so let's let's just summarize here, uh, wrapping up this this uh, last episode here on disclosure. Um, we've covered a lot of ground, we've a lot of details, and a lot of people that listen to this won't necessarily have access to a therapist um, or even a therapist who's trained in facilitating disclosures. And so I want to be able to give them some resources and tools and some support so that if, if they need to go through a process of disclosure, whether there's somebody listening who knows they need to disclose or a spouse who has had a really bad disclosure and wants to to maybe have it done in a healthy way, um, where are some places that they can start and get some help? How should they structure this? Well, I I, uh, I would definitely encourage them to go seek a therapist that's qualified. Um, not all, all therapists will tell you, yeah, I can help you do a disclosure. And unless they have specific training on disclosure, they're going to do the, the – I call it the Columbo style where, okay – on this day, you're going to come and we're, you're going to tell her everything and no preparation. No preparation. Yeah. They don't. Uh, they don't understand what they're working with. Um, that makes my job as a therapist who does know how to do disclosure harder. So there are therapists who are trained in working with sexual addictions, and you just have to ask good questions of the therapist to see how they handle disclosure. Correct. And really do your homework. We have wor- uh, we have workbooks that we've written. If people are interested, they can uh, email. Uh, either Jeff or myself, and Jeff, I'm sure you'll put my email address on on the podcast. If you are interested in getting a workbook, it prepares both the husband and the wife for what they need to be prepared for. And if you take those workbooks, you can ask your therapist to work on them with you. Um, This is not something that you should complete alone, um, but seeking a therapist that will work on these workbooks with you, that's a great resource. Um, getting tied up into uh, a lifestyle program if there's one close to you. Um, those are some great resources that you can can utilize. And even and even uh, the church LDS 12-step program, the ARP program, does a very basic, and I would consider it to be a, a, an informal disclosure, but it can be helpful for a guy at least at a minimum to face his own story. Right. And it's he may not you know have access to a therapist or someone to guide him through that, but the workbook and his 12-step group can it's step four and five, which is a chance for him to write down his inventory, face the truth, share it with someone who tr- who he trusts. That's a really critical component, and at a minimum needs to go through that process. Right, and that that is that's an essential step for him to begin healing. Right. It, at the same time, I want to add a word of caution to twelve steppers. Um, oftentimes, I've worked with individuals who have done the twelve step, and part of step nine, do no harm they decide not to tell their spouse. And so that 12-step group, again, you know, kind of joins the secrecy and makes the problem worse for that couple. It may help him individually. Um, I, I don't believe it does individually even, either. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, um, the originator of the 12-step program, Bill, uh, was also uh, reported to be a sex addict. And the reason he wrote Step nine, the do no harm, was so that he didn't have to tell his wife about all the affairs that he was having besides the alcohol. Um, And so uh, 12-step community sometimes gets a little bit rigid. And, um, hey, you've done step four and five here in this group, and you don't need to do it with your wife. Um, That's dangerous for individuals and couples. Um, 
but right that goes back to just keeping more secrets correct. and so yep. yeah absolutely so if you're it can be if, a great place to practice right. it's a step to doing formal disclosure to the people that need to know right obviously we highly recommend you work with a therapist who can guide you through this find someone who's uh, who understands this process. And if they don't understand it and you've got a therapist who's open-minded and willing to learn, there are uh, resources that we can direct you to and direct them to if you want to contact us. And we're happy to help uh, train and, and offer support to these therapists um, because we recognize that this process is delicate, it's traumatic, and you can have a good outcome from it if it's done and handled correctly. Yeah. Even they- though it's a painful and difficult experience, there can be a better outcome than if you just try and do it willy-nilly. Right. And I, I tell couples that I work with, I say, look, like, you know, one of the purposes that we do disclosure is to move closer. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the marriage will survive, but we want to move closer to understand things that we haven't understood before, um, both about ourselves, about the marriage, about this addiction, um, also about their higher power. Uh, they understand their higher power on a different level as right. well. They move closer to their higher power through this process. Right. The benefits of opening up and disclosing aren't just about telling secrets. It's about freeing yourself to connect with God again and others. And right. it's the only way you can truly be one with him and with others. Correct. So, Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you want more information on the Lifestar Disclosure Workbook Series, you can email us at info at lifestarstgeorge.com. That's info at lifestarstgeorge.com. And we can email you back and let you know how you can purchase those if you're interested. In the following episode of the Illuminate podcast, I will be interviewing Kristen Jensen. She's the founder of Protect Young Minds, and you might recognize her as the author of the children's book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And this is the children's book that the LDS Church based some of its educational videos around how to talk to children about pornography. And so I'm going to interview Kristen and talk with her about how we can uh, protect children in our homes and have conversations with even young children about the harms of pornography.